Welcome everybody, episode 24 of Devil's Army Cast. You guys should be listening to this, I believe, on November 3rd, or November 4th, my bad. We are here, me, James, and Chris, the duo as always. What is going on? Uh, episode 24, jersey number 24 in Devil's History. Um, the only one I could really think of is uh, Bryce Salvador. I think he wore the number there for a while. Yeah. Chris... He got <laughs> yeah. You and I were both thinking Salvador, so I, I had to do some research and uh, probably probably a devil that people remember. Turner Stevenson uh, wore twenty four, and uh, another fun tidbit: uh, twenty four was actually the first number that Elias wore when he got called up. So he's t- technically in Devil's history as wearing twenty four at one I point. I believe I think I knew that part. I know he bounced around. I've seen like videos when MSG shows like older highlights of the Devils and him in a 24 sweater before. Mm-hmm. Marty wore what? He wore 29. 29 was yeah, it? When he got that called one? Up. Yeah, so mm-hmm. usually weird things like that happen. But yeah, episode 24 we're, we're moving along here. Choo choo! Um, so with what we're going to talk about for this episode, we got current news as always. Um, not much going on at all since the last time we filmed. After that, we'll do a quick free agency check-in. Same thing. Not much going on since last time we recorded. I'm giving you guys a advanced statistics in hockey, kind of like workshop slash seminar. Chris, as he called it before we hopped on air here, said a TED Talk of Hockey Advanced Stats. I thought this would be a good idea because I talk a ton about advanced stats on the podcast and if you guys read any of the content we put out, nine times out of ten, eight times out of ten, there'll be advanced stats in those articles and usually they're not often explained like what they mean. So if you're seeing stuff like PDO or whatever, you're like, oh, what the heck is that? Well, you're going to learn here today so thought that'd be a fun little thing to throw in there for you and then we're going to finish it out with two other segments we're doing a devil's best player at each position we're going to give who we think in our opinion is the devil's best player in a couple different positions and lastly we're going to talk about our experiences at the prudential center kind of what we do when we get there how we like the rock we're kind of sitting here sitting at home missing going to sporting events so we thought it'd be a good idea to pretend we're going to the rock for a night or something like that so we thought that'd be a cool little segment and after that we'll close her on out and that'll be the end of episode 24 but like i said current news first not much going on really the only thing that i saw that i thought would be worth mentioning is nick merkley is lighting it up in the liga which is the top pro league over in finland he has nine points in 12 games which ranks 29th in the league scoring wise and this is out of 450 players that have played a game this year in the liga hashtag elite so Nick Merkley's definitely going to be a guy that I think locks down one of them right wing spots in the bottom six of the roster or the lineup. He did really well in his limited time. Um, of course, he had that weird like, what do you catch a skate in the face or something like that? Or um, I don't, or a I don't high really stick. remember that. Yeah, he was a high stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about it last episode. He's kind of the guy who, out of those open spots in the bottom six, he's really the only one with a position to lose at this point. I think it's safe to assume that he at least starts out there through training camp. Yeah, so, I would think so as well. Um, another, I guess you could call it news, is Anthony Mantha of the Detroit Red Wings re-opted uh, $4.2 million over four years, I believe. He's a restricted free agent. I don't know if you could say that's comparable for Jesper Brad because I believe Mantha is a little older and he has had a bit more production because I think that's really just going to how he's been around in the league longer. But he was a restricted free agent and the Red Wings locked him down. So we're moving on quickly here because that's all the news I have. Um, Chris, did I miss anything? Anything you caught? No, I think we you covered it. There really wasn't much that's gone on since our last episode. Yeah. Um, I I swear there was something that popped up like a couple hours ago that I wanted to mention, but I'm forgetting it. I'm sure it'll uh, pop across my mind. But oh, wait, did anyway. we go over – what is it? The, I don't know if we went over this last episode, but the OHL, like trying to get rid of checking or something we like that? We have not talked about that. Good, uh, good point to break up. So as Chris just said, I believe it came out last week, the OHL wants to proceed with their season, but they are going to – outlaw body checking which 
you just straight up really can't do. Chris, Basically, you can go ahead and men's league, beer league at that point. Yeah, you could talk on it first. <laughs> so, and then I'll add my uh, my two cents after you're done. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's obviously I understand why they're trying to go that route, but it is just not a good decision. You're better off just not having a season. Um, and it's not the bravado of you know the game is meant to be physical. It's it's just from the uh, developmental standpoint you know they they need to play a physical game so they can gradually adjust as they go to the pro level and um i mean even in men's league like i've there's moves that i will absolutely make in men's league that if it was checking no way no way would i be trying it um and you know i've been on the receiving end of some hits and stuff like that where you put yourself in a bad position and it's i don't know i think it'll do more damage in the long run for them to take the hitting out and um i mean it's it's something that people don't understand how important it is in the game. I mean, that's why laying a big hit can have such huge ramifications throughout a game because the guy's always looking over his shoulder. You know, uh, some of these teams, they like to be that aggressive and physical to kind of have like an extra player on the ice. Like someone's always wondering if they're going to get decked as soon as they touch the puck. So I don't think it's a smart idea. Um, it, they're better off trying some sort of bubble system if they can, but eliminating checking it, it's just not good for the development of those players and, and the game as a whole. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Chris. Um, I'm sure all these younger woke people that want body checking limited and Get fighting woke. not in the league anymore are all really thrilled about this, but checking not just from a like entertainment aspect, but as Chris talked about a de- developmental aspect, especially with these young kids, body checking is a huge part of the game, especially defensively. You take that out of the game. I mean, kids, the younger kids, they're going to, it's going to be weird playing like a whole season without checking. And then all of a sudden you're allowed to check again. Um, um, it's just going to be weird there. And then also what I want to talk about too is it's these games are going to be like 13-12 every game, 13-11. Oh, yeah. People are just going to be skating through stick checks, deking around those. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you really can't do it. It's Nothing's confirmed. It's weird. It was like the Canadian – like government or something was the first one that made this ruling and it caught the OHL by surprise or something. It's a really, really weird situation. I'm sure I'll get it worked out. Oh, worked out. I'll be very, yeah. very surprised if they conduct this season without body checking. I mean, the Q has already started their season. I think they did have some COVID issues and they had to shut down the league for a couple of days. I am unsure if it's up and running again, but I mean, they didn't get rid of body checking or anything. There's the no. Liga over in Finland, SHL, KHL, they're all operating okay um, with body checking. So who knows? Kind of weird. I'm sure it'll get worked out. But, yeah, that was a good thing to bring up here, Chris. So, um, yeah, but besides that, I don't think there's anything else we're missing. If we remember something while going on, we'll, we'll reiterate it. But we're going to move on to kind of like a free agency check-in like we did last week. Once again, not much going on. Dominic Cahoon though did sign. He went to the Edmonton Oilers. I believe it was only for one year and 875 K. That is a very good deal for Edmonton. Very solid, young bottom six forward, middle six potential. Um, Really good move by Edmonton. They're having a low key, decent off season. Uh, Mm -hmm. They need forward depth. So this is a make sense signing for them. Good for them. This is someone that, I've been harping on for a while. I want to yeah. devil sweater. Chris has been the same way. Yeah, I think I wrote an article like two years ago on him when he was with <laughs> Chicago wanting the Devils to trade for him. Mm, look at you. So, Cahoon over to Edmonton. Besides that, I don't think much of anything else happened. I'm going to run through our top 20 list real quick here and see who is left. Just looking at it real quick. Um, Mike Hoffman is still available. Mm, Sammy Votnin's still out there. Mikhail Granlin's still out there. That's a guy that I wouldn't mind the Devils I agree. signing. He is, I think he wrote, did you write an article on Granlin? Was that you or was that somebody else? I think it was somebody else. I think I okay. wrote one when he was on with Minnesota. Hall. You wrote one on Hall. I got my centers confused, right? Uh, we're yes. going to write one on Hall. Yeah. But. So Mikhail Granlin is a center. He could also play left wing, I believe. Uh, 28 years old. He ha- only had 30 points last year, but he's has had years where he's I'm pretty sure a 50 point score like he's been very valuable so that'd be a really solid guy to double take a chance on it at this point guys like that are only going to take one year contracts I'd be 
extremely surprised if they took if there was any term in these contracts. And if there is term, it's not going to be a lot of, for a lot of salary. Mm-hmm. So Mikel Granlund's out there. I believe Eric Hall is still out there. Uh, but besides that, those are the only remaining on uh, our top 20 list that haven't been signed yet. So for agency, there's a little like a quick flurry around noon. And then it sputtered out, and then there's been signings popping up here and there, but we'll continue to monitor that. Um, offseason's really kind of starting to wind down now, even though we are still unsure when next season will begin. So Yeah, I mean, we have our tentative date, but that's that's all it is. There's no concreteness to it. So, but yeah, that's what's going on with free agency right now. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to start talking about advanced stats so i'm sorry if you're not into these but if you want go ahead skip ahead if you don't want to hear me blurb on about nerd stats but i really think it's good for people to understand analytics whether you like it or not it's huge in hockey now you got all these front offices signing analytic people devils have mm-hmm. two of the best in the business um tyler dello and <sighs> the other ones his name's blanking on me but they hired these two back a couple years ago now but they do really good work analytics it's everywhere in the game so that's what carolina basically built around yeah and it's funny you go look at carolina they're one of the best teams analytically every year all their players check out analytically and i mean it's worked for them they're always one of the best teams in the league for uh the past two three years now so let's let's hop into it so i'm basically just going to run through some terms and explain basically what they mean how they're calculated kind of uh, the first term, Corsi, everyone's heard of this, I believe. Basically, what Corsi is, it's a plus-minus statistic, and it's shot attempts. So you got Corsi for and Corsi against. Say if a player's on the ice, when he's on the ice, his team had 21, or excuse me, he had 20 shots against, or shots for and 10 against. So his Corsi rating is plus 20, minus 10, and that breaks down to a ratio. Chris, what's that ratio? I hit, it, know. hit me with it one more time. Twenty. I was taking plus, a sip of water. <laughs> no, <all good. laughs> plus twenty shot attempts, minus ten shot attempts against. I don't even know what that That's ratio is. Two to one, isn't out. it? Yeah, I don't know what percentage that works out to, but it's like two hundred percent. We're not math majors. No, that's it, it, as a ratio. I don't know how that math works, but anyway, oh. that's what course he is. It's shot attempts and it's a ratio, and so that's that. Fanuc is a very same as or very similar to Corsi. It's plus minus shot attempt ratio but it doesn't take into account for block shots shot attempts for Corsi is shots on net missed shots block shots it's every type of shot it's shot attempts fenwick same thing takeaway block shots also a ratio so that's Corsi. that's fenwick fenwick we're moving to expected goals now expected goals has really taken the hockey analytic world by storm the past couple of years it's basically a more refined Corsi. It's another plus minus in terms of like shot attempts for, shot attempts against. But what this does, it's more refined in a sense. It takes into account these shot attempts, how dangerous they are. Placement, rebounds, takes all this in consideration. So for an example, a shot from the outside from the point with no traffic in front gets right to the goalie. Goalie makes a save. The expected goal of that shot is going to be like .02. Say a shot that's in close, a goalie has to make an okay save on. Maybe he has to slide, cover the back door, something like that. To expect a goal, and that would be like a .52. So see how the difference there, .52 to .02. The second shot had a higher expected goals for because it was a more dangerous chance. So that's basically what expected goals is. Um, with these expected goals, Fenno Corsi, as I said, they're all ratios. They're split into expected goals for, expected goals against, Fenwick for, Fenwick against, and like I said about Corsi, so it could be ratioed. The average is 50.00 when you're talking about like percentages and then above 50, above average, you could say below 50, below average. And you could also turn these into rates. So something that I like to use is expected goals against per 60, Corsi against per 60. That helps measuring how many shot attempts or expected goals a player experiences against per 60 minutes. So it just breaks it down more. You can do a lot of with these stats, ratio them, rate them, stuff like that. So that's good stuff there. Corsi, Fenwick, expected goals, those are the three big um, like 
I don't know the word for them, but those those are the three main similar stats that you hear that wise, like when you're all separate. Some random terms that you may hear, PDO is a basically a metric that's shooting percentage plus save percentage. And people say this measures how lucky or unlucky a team is. PDO less than one is considered to be unlucky. PDO above one is considered to be lucky. So that's just a fun stat. If you see a team like um, Winnipeg last year, Winnipeg made the playoffs, but you look at their numbers and you look at that defense, how bad they performed. They were very reliant on Connor Hellebuck and their PDO was above one because they were pretty lucky in terms of their uh, record, stuff like that. So that's a cool little stat there. If you ever hear of the term PDO. Now I'm going to talk about GAR, which is something I've referenced a lot. And GAR, like expected goals, is kind of taking the hockey world by storm. Basically what GAR is, think of war for baseball. This is goals above replacement, though. It's basically the total amount of goals a player adds to his team relative to a replacement level player. Now a replacement level player, this is a guy that has zero GAR. That's that's his GAR rating. And basically you think of a replacement level player, this is your fourth line guy or a guy that's a really good AHLer, but he's an okay NHLer, doesn't really contribute much, but he's not specifically hurting his team. He he's just out there, you know. He's not a true NHLer, but he could serve as that like emergency call up type. That would be your replacement level player. So that's Scar. War is also in hockey. Um, like the baseball statistic, it's wins above replacement. Basically, it's similar to Gar, but this takes into account wins and not goals per se. The last thing I want to talk about here for advanced stats is a regular, regularized adjusted plus minus chart. Basically, it's a random chart. I've said that, Chris. You've heard me reference those before mm-hmm. on the uh, on the pod, and we send them all the time in yeah. the group chat. Basically, this chart brings together expected goals and Corsi statistics into a nice visual with five bars. It's a bar graph. Um, this random chart could be even strength, or it could be they have a nice little power play random chart as well. Um, and it just basically these bars compare players in these areas to the league um, by standard deviation. Um, if you've never seen a random chart, they sound a lot scarier than they actually are. Um, it's a really helpful tool and it does a lot good when evaluating players. That's basically all the advanced stuff I wanted to throw at you guys. It was a lot of stuff and not a lot of time, but that's basically what it is. It seems scary when you're like looking at it and stuff, but it's not that hard to pick up. If you ever have any questions about advanced stats or anything, just shoot a DM to either Devil's Army blog Twitter, Devil's Army cast Twitter, whatever, and I'll be happy to answer your questions or anything like that. Um, I don't know if this is something people are really familiar with or not. So thought it'd be a good idea to talk about. Isn't there a big like possession advanced statistic too? I think I remember a couple times we like, you know, we would think Hughes didn't have a phenomenal oh, game, okay. but the stats yeah. would be like, oh, no, he's great at, you know, generating zone entry and stuff like well, that. Hughes's Corsi stats, expected goal stats and all that stuff were garbage last year. And which kind of makes sense because you watched them like in terms of like getting hemmed in your own zone and stuff. Mm-hmm. What Hughes excelled at last year was his zone exits and zone entries. Basically, what that's a measure of, it's not really, I guess you could say in its advanced stat, CJ Turturro, he's on Twitter, I forget where he does his work at, but he has really cool visuals that include this. Basically, it's just how a player gets out of his own zone, carrying the puck, if he's able to clear it on himself when he tries to, if he fails, or if he succeeds, and then also carrying it into an opposing pl- opponent opposing team zone and basically what the chart does is shows um it shows how you stack up the other people in the league percentile wise so like jack hughes is i think it was like the 97th percentile in zone exits and entries which is really good to see so that just mm-hmm. shows his puck moving his his stick handling's there it just needs to come in when it's like when he's not trying to get in and out of the zone, when he's stuck in his own zone or when he's in the offensive zone, that's what needs to come together, you know? Yeah, he's going to be yoked, though. 
<clears throat> so he, he's had nothing better to do, so he better have been <laughs> working out and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so that's advanced stats for you. I mean, there's other stuff. That's the main stuff I pay attention to. Um, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's other stuff that I didn't mention or forgot to mention. Like I said, if you have any questions or anything you want to ask, feel free to reach out through the Devil Army blog, social media networks, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, send us a DM and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Chris, do you have any questions for me? No, I mean, I think it's important for people to understand that there is um, a place for the advanced stats. I mean, I don't understand them as well as James does, so I don't usually ever cite them. But uh, normally when when James or Alex, you know, we share them with each other and, and other writers, it usually adds a lot to the conversation, you know, uh, we've had players before where like the devil sign them or they trade for them and we have like mixed feelings or we think one way and then we see the advanced stats and it's like oh that's not that bad or it's like oh wait hold on no <laughs> i think we had that happen most recently with like kulikov we were like and eh, i don't know and then we kind of looked at his stats and they're like all right they're, they're not they're not horrible so just yeah something, and just something to think about you i'm there's a lot of people out there that just absolutely hate analytics like it and i get it to a point but you always when you look at analytics they nine times out of ten paint the correct picture about a player a certain player you do need you can't just solely base your perception Mm. of a player off analytics though that's a dangerous game to play like a guy like bo bennett he was an analytics darling. That man had the best analytics I ever seen. But we all know Bo Bennett. He's not even in the NHL anymore, right? So that's one of the rare circumstances where maybe analytics don't paint the full picture and you have to use the eye test there. But nine times out of ten, the eye test and analytics will always match up. And like I said, it's not as scary as you think evaluating and trying to understand all these stats. They're, in a sense, simple. They're just... They're just numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's all I got for you. So, um, I guess we can move on now. Moving on to Devil's best players at each position. Uh, like I said before, I think, basically what we're going to do, go through the Devils. We're going to go by position group. We're going to go forwards and defensemen, NHL level, and then forwards, defensemen, and goalie in their system, like AHL level or prospects that have yet to hit the AHL, but they're in the Devils system. Basically tell who we think the top three at each things are, uh, top three players at each position group are um yeah so chris go ahead give us your top three devils forwards in order you could give some honorable mention so i'm gonna go with um nico heischer kyle palmieri and jesper bratt um I, I will say I'm basically basing this off last season. I expect Hughes to prove me wrong with him not being included there. Um, and, you know, last season just being an anomaly and being 18 and he just needs to develop. And I expect Gusev to also be in the conversation even more so this year as we saw him turn it on like the second half. Um, and then for me, you know, I brought, I know we brought in Andreas Janssen, uh, but I want to see him play in Jersey first and see how well he does compared to the forward depth that he was able to play with in Toronto, you know? Yeah, I got you. I have Paul Mary, he's sheer brat as well, right? That's who you said. Yep. Yeah, we had, so, yeah. we had those three. Yep. Um, Paul Mary is just goal scoring. His offense ability is really, really solid. And he's actually pretty solid defensively. People don't give him the love he deserves in his own end. He's sheer. The Devils fan base is darling. He's a heck of a player, does the little things for you. And Jesper Bratt is just a very, very solid young player, especially yes. especially defensively. I've said this, I believe, on the podcast multiple times, how impressed I was with his growth as a player in his own end. So mm-hmm. a little advanced stats for you. His RAPM, Rampum Regularized Plus Adjusted Plus Minus chart, is a very pretty thing. He's above the standard deviation, above the league average, and all five of those bars that are on that chart, offensively and defensively. So I have him as the Devils' third best. And I have Nikita Gusev left right off there at four. So. Yep. Defenseman, I'll go first. Number one, Damon Severson. I know we haven't seen him play in a Devils uniform yet, but as his career has gone, Ryan Murray's at number two. And I got Will Butcher at number three. So I have Severson, Butcher, and then I have Subban. Um, and for me, it's 
I think Subban had a bad year last year, but oh, I don't. He had a I don't. Horrific yeah, year. I, I don't think that he's necessarily done. I think I think he'll improve this upcoming season, especially with what the Devils have done. Um, for me, I like the addition of Murray, but because of the injury issues and a concern, you know, how much is he going to play? That's that's one of the main reasons I kind of kept him off the list. And uh, I know people are going to you know ask about Ty Smith. Just haven't seen enough from him at the NHL level yet. We know what he's done. You know. <laughs> throughout juniors and stuff, but I just need to see more of him at the NHL level before I just throw him in the top three. Yeah. Um, so the thing with PK Subban, he didn't have a very down year last year, but he played minutes. He shouldn't have played. He's not that 22 minute night defenseman playing against top competition anymore. Mm-hmm. The devils in a sense this year really need to like, I don't want to say shelter him, but they got to play him the minutes, the easier minutes that if he's playing the right minutes against the right competition, he'll be a fine borderline top four guy. And I think they're going to figure that out this year with the addition of Ryan Murray. He could play those tougher minutes. Damon Severson has shown again and again, he could play those tougher Mm. minutes, but yeah, that's where I'm at with Mr. Subban. So, I mean, we can't really do goalies because, you know, we've got Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Crawford there. There's not much outside there. So we're going to move down to the Devil's system. So, Chris, I don't know how you went about this, but basically I didn't really take into account any guys that are like pure NHL or, or not pure NHLers, but like have had mm. quite a decent amount of time at the NHL level. So like Jesper Boquist, I didn't talk about i didn't talk about i didn't add jack hughes guys like that um ty smith gotcha. i didn't include here because i have him like as an nhler this year but so forwards i have alexander holtz number one dawson mercer number two nolan foot number three and i have tice thompson as an honorable mention at number four yeah i have um holtz i have thompson and then i actually do have Boakfist at three just because i i understand what you're saying about um you know the prospects whether you consider them nhl or not i feel like boakvist he played you know he played like 20 to 30 games i think last season but he wasn't given like big minutes or anything like that um which we would expect from him you know as he develops um so i I still kind of include him in that in that system kind of level but he's like on the edge of breaking out of that um but yeah thompson lighting it up at providence some college hockey um and then obviously we know holtz just keeps doing his thing over there in europe right now so yeah jesper boquist for me would have checked in at three on my list i would have probably went holtz mercer and boquist and then Mm -hmm. then thompson but um yeah tice thompson really really solid stuff at Providence, they're Providence College, correct? Yeah, Providence College. Yeah, and that's up in like Rhode Island. Mr. Yep. Ed Cooley and their basketball team, really good basketball team for those college basketball fans out there. I think anyway, Manarello was like the head of uh, Providence's hockey department oh, really? or something. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's where Lamarello got his start. Learn something new every day. But anyway, so that's the forwards, top three forwards in double system. Give us your top three defensemen in double system here, Chris. I'm interested to see what where you have these guys in. So I got Ty Smith. I got some more college hockey, Riley Walsh, mm-hmm. and then Kevin Ball at my three spot there. I really like okay, cool. the, the tangibles that Kevin Ball brings and his size, and yeah, he's I'm just going to clear Ball the net, net front. So. So basically, if I included Ty Smith, we'd have the same um, three. Uh, mm-hmm. I have I didn't include him, so I have Walsh one, Ball two, and I have Muka Hamadoulin at three. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of names to consider, which is a phenomenal thing for yeah. both, you know, the forwards and the defensemen. <laughs> the so. only thing here, though, is Devils defensive group. Unlike their forward group, it kind of like you got Walsh, you got ball and then you have just a whole bunch of like bottom pairing possible uh second pairing guys there's no like break the bank prospects like riley wash has top four potential kevin ball might have top four potential mukahama dylan's like a maybe top four you know what i'm saying here (laughs) so it's but it's good to have defensive depth in your system something the devils haven't had in years so and then the last group position group Goaltenders. I got Nico Dawes, the new devil that was drafted in the third, fourth round, third, fourth, fourth round. I yeah, think. somewhere around there. Um, I have him one, Gilly Sen two, and Akira Schmidt three. Their goalie depth needs work. Um, Nico Dawes was a really solid selection, but I'm not sold on Gilly Sen yet. He struggled mightily in the AHL to begin the year. He did end it pretty solidly, yeah. so we'll see if that 
holds up. And Akir Schmidt has really struggled in the USHL, so he needs a big bounce back year this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I had Sen and Cormier. I had Sen at one, Cormier at two, just because we know they've been playing in Bing. Um, we've kind of seen them do their stuff. Again, I didn't have Schmidt on my list. I actually have Dawes at three. Um, but Dawes, you know, no minor league play yet or anything. We just have to rely on his, uh, you know, his juniors and stuff like that. So I have Sen, Cormier, and then Dawes. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, we thought this was just a fun thing to throw in there. Um, just basically give our opinions. I feel like out of them all, the one that people probably have the most gripe with is the Damon Severson being the devil's top defenseman. <laughs> devil's fans hate Damon Severson. And it's just because, like, when he makes a mistake, it's like it's a noticeable, noticeable one. Like, it, he's just he, had bad puck luck. Like, yeah, the past <laughs> like really bad. He's a very, very, very solid top four defenseman, and he he'd be a very solid top four defenseman on NHL any NHL team. I'm trying to think if mm-hmm. there's any other things about our list that would get the people going. I think besides that, maybe people think we have Shakir a little too low, but I mean, I'm still not a fan of that pick, and I think you're in the same boat here. I just haven't seen um, enough to, to, you know, make a distinction either way. I, I still don't know what type of defenseman he is. It's weird because he's six foot whatever, but supposedly he's more of an offensive defenseman. But then you watch him play. I, I don't know. What if he I'm, turns out to be like a more athletic Chara? I would be I would be 100% on board for that. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think that's what his style – he's not like that defensive defenseman though. He's like more of a two-way offensive guy, which is weird given his size. Like I said, I have no idea. So I've watched – countless videos on him i've read a lot of scouting reports tried to put together my own insight very hard to get a grasp on shakir mukahama doing so um yeah that's that's that segment so we'll move into our last segment and basically what we're gonna do now is we're gonna we're gonna lay you through or take you through a night of how we go about attending a game at the prudential center basically what time we get there what we like to do like we said, me and Chris kind of feeling sad over here that we haven't been able to attend a live sporting event in a long time, especially a Devils sporting event. Chris, actually, I'll be going to a live sporting event, my first one since March 9th, this upcoming weekend when I go to a Temple football game. So, Oh, look at you. Back in the uh, live sporting sphere, which is great. Is this at the Link or whatever? Yeah, Temple plays over at the Link, so i gotta got to show some support to the uh, lowly Temple Owls, but, you know, got a Temple alum, you know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So I'll start her out here. So when I go to a Devils game, drive down. I drive right in because I come from South Jersey. So I drive all the way there and I park in the parking lot right across the street, right by the post office on the other side of the post office. The big, big, big post office that had that like Chinese restaurant in the back that's just been sitting there for years. The one that's literally right across the street. You can look in at the practice rink. Sometimes like high school teams will be playing there. So that's where I park. And I like to get there really early. So seven o'clock game, I'll get there. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Seven o'clock game. I'll probably get there around like 515, 530. Cause then I walk my way behind the rock and go to Edison Ale House for a Jersey burger. Gotta love Edison Ale House burgers. Chris, you Edison Ale House guy? I actually have never been there. Wow. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Recommend. I'm learning. Um, highly recommend their food is terrific. They also have tons of different drinks. Um, I heard Reds is the place to go for drinks, though. If you want to go before the game, hit up a bar. But Edison Ale House has amazing burgers, really good fries. So I hit up the Edison Ale House. And then as soon as the door opens, doors open, I like to go in. So that's usually around 545, I believe. 530 maybe. It's been a while, guys. Yeah. Don't, don't get mad at me. But whenever the doors <laughs> open, we're usually done eating by that time. So I head on in, get my seat relax wait for warm-ups i always have to be in my seat before warm-ups i'm i'm one of those guys so i'm like the early early fan i'm always there watching warm-ups um but yeah get there early get ready for the game settle in given i go to the ale house before i don't typically buy like actual food i always though always after the first period get my readers got to go up, get the Rita's. Got to get that Italian ice. Yes, yes, sir. Um, Get my Rita's. That's the only thing I really buy during the game. Maybe a bottle of water here and there, but it's the Rita's. That's all I'm spending my money once I'm inside. 
my preferred where I like to seat, sit, Chris, I'm interested to hear where you like sitting when we get to your uh, prudential spender experience. But I'm always in the corner lower level, like either right behind the net That's or a good in the spot. corner. Yeah, tickets are relatively cheap. Always on the aisle. Got to be on the aisle. And I'm always in the corner, like behind the net. So sections, I believe they're like three, like because I believe one's right behind the net, so I'm like that three, four area. I could be completely wrong. Like I yeah. said, been a while. But that's where I like sitting. Watch the game. Always got to stay towards the end, no matter what. Yep. For Have whatever to. reason, always when I go, the game goes to overtime. I swear, I believe it was two years ago. I usually attend about five to six Devils games a year, home games, maybe seven if I'm lucky. It changed since I went to college and stuff and I moved away from South Jersey. But the darn games, like 75% of them always go to overtime in a shootout. So I get to watch them lose in miserable ways. So that means that if James had just gone to like eight more games this season, we would have been in the qualifying playoffs, baby. There you go. That's exactly what that would have meant. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's my experience. I always stay towards the end, go back in my car after a Devils win or loss. Most likely recently it's been a loss, but drive on back to my home in South Jersey. I'm trying to think. Last thing I want to add, always my attire for a Devils game is always my Jamie Langenbrunner captain sweater. And then I got my devil socks on. That's my two always wearing at Devils games. So yeah, that's my uh that's my Devils experience what my day at the Rock game at the Rock typically is. I'll let Chris talk about his and we'll go on basically overall how we like the Rock and how we think it compares to other venues. So go ahead Chris, walk me through your game so, day at the Rock. So before I actually get into my experience, let me ask you, out of all the games you've been to at the Prudential Center, is there one that stands out? Like your favorite so, or best experience? So I, the first ever game I went to, the Devils played Ilya Kovalchuk and the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, <laughs> Jamie Langenbrunner had two goals that game, and that's one of the reasons my uncle first took me to a Devils game. My uncle got me to be a Devils fan, and unfortunately got me to be a Mets fan as well. So, but my uncle, first one that took me there, he got me that Jamie Langenbrunner jersey that I still wear to this day. And keep in mind, folks, this is when Jamie Langenbrunner was on the Devils wearing the C and Atlanta Thrasher still existed and Ilya Kolchuk were on the Thrasher. Mm-hmm. So that's just notable because that was my first game. In terms of craziest games I've been to, I was at game three of the Devils Lightning when Stefan Nason scored that game winner. That was absolutely electric. <laughs> Their only win in the 2018 playoffs. I was at that game. That was great. And my other game that was memorable is 2012 Stanley Cup run. I was at game. I forget what game it was, but they played the Flyers. I was a, I was a youngin-ish. So it was a win. So Devils Flyers Interesting. playoff Interesting. We might have been at the same game. Yeah. It was the game where... Um, was it the Dave one where Pawnee scored? I don't remember. Uh, I in s- overtime? No, it wasn't the oh, overtime no. game. Okay. I remember Merrick Zidlicki had a sick tap in or he found someone cut into the back of the net. It was the game where Dana Zubris got hit up high and it resulted in, I believe it was Claude Giroux or Scott Hartnell getting suspended. But it was that game. But yeah, those two were my top two. The game three of that series and then the Flyers-Devils 2012 series, whatever game that was. But yeah, Chris. Gotcha. That's what I got for you. Yeah, so I've, um, I've sat, I believe, in kind of every area of the Prudential Center you probably could. Um, I think the last game I went to was actually the retirement for Eliash's jersey. Um, and I've sat like literally in the highest seat you could, like up against that wall. I've sat there for a game. I've sat in the lower bowl, like in the middle section. And I've sat in the lower bowl in the corner, kind of like James has talked about. Um, I'm more of a fan of that midsection. Um, yeah, the the downstairs midsection. Good. Yeah, if I so you're it. you're club seat boy, huh? No, or I just not. scooped those up off like uh whatever it was, one of the, one of the ticketing apps or something. I think it was like on the edge of it. It wasn't like club. <laughs> it was like the seats towards the edge of it. Oh, so you're like because remember when they had the club seats, the fire and ice lounges where you yeah. got those. Food? That was that was absolutely terrific. Yeah, they and still that, have them, but I think they condensed them. 
Yeah, they do, and it's weird now. I don't think it comes with the food. I could be wrong because I haven't sat in them since they made the change. Yeah. But you're talking about that one section or other section that's like yeah. right next to these. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I, gotcha. I, I didn't have like the black leather seats. I had the normal mm-hmm. seats, but they were like right next to it. So, um, so yeah, I like sitting in that kind of area just because I like being in the middle to kind of see all the action gotcha. from both ends. Um, in terms of my experience, I will almost never drive to a Devils game. Um, it just stems from I don't enjoy driving in the city. Uh, I, I prefer mass transit when it comes to being in the city or around it. Um, and that includes Newark for Devils games. I just I don't want to pay for parking and I don't want to deal with the general cluster after games of getting out of there and everyone trying to get on like 78 to go home. Um so I usually will take the train. I'll take it into that station in Newark where you take like the indoor walkway and that basically uh, you, you walk the whole way. And when you come outside, you're across the street from the Prudential Center, essentially. Um, that's usually how I'll commute to the game. And I'll usually get there probably like 45 minutes, 30 minutes before the game starts. Um so you're not a you're not a warm up guy. I, I am I'm usually not a warm up guy. I wouldn't be opposed to, you don't to going the to warm ups. I don't I don't mind watching the warm ups. Um I just I just I don't know, I don't fixate on it too much. But gotcha. um I'll usually wear some some devil's jersey, whatever I got, whether it's a Stevens or a Eliash or uh who, whoever else I have. Um trying to think in terms of the Prudential Center as well. Just, yeah, I mentioned the parking. Not a fan of paying for parking. Um, yeah, it's I, always I, rough. 35 yeah. bucks a pop. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I've, I've played on their practice rank numerous times too. Um, usually in those situations, I'll, I'll drive because obviously it's not a game, like a devil's game, you know, it's not mm-hmm. crazy packed and um, they usually have the parking garages open and the other parking is like discounted or it's free or something. Uh, I played there like for through high school for travel team and then also through college i think we played like wagner played out of there and i can't remember if like seton hall no seton hall didn't they played out of uh that that rink in west orange or no not west orange i forget what rink they played out of i think it was like mount something but it was wagner and maybe like njit or something played out of that practice rink um but yeah i've been there a couple times i've experienced that side of it too if you've ever um some fans like go to the practices for devils uh practices i don't know how to handle it but I've, I've just seen that in the past so that's a cool little area too but in general that's just my experience and uh my my favorite game that i've ever been to at the prudential center uh was actually the s- same series that james talked about before with the flyers in the playoffs in 2012 i was there for the game where Ponikarovsky scored in overtime and uh that was wild um, yeah, I'm sure it was electric. <laughs> so I wouldn't yeah. be able to do a overtime playoff game, man. I, I wouldn't be able to do. I'd go home or something. That place I wouldn't was be able to handle crazy, it. So. especially because it was the Flyers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Um. So you get food in the arena? Are you a food guy in the arena? Uh, yeah. Usually, I'll get food in the arena because I'll I'll try and eat before. And if I get hungry, I'll I'll like get something. Um. I don't know. I've just never like really explored. <laughs> the areas outside of the Prudential Center. Like, usually yeah. when I go to a Devils game, I go to the Prudential Center, and that's it. Like, I don't gotcha. explore any of the bars. But also, I, you know, I haven't really had an opportunity to. So, mm-hmm. now I know to... about Edison Ale that you mentioned, I'll, I'll, yep. or Ed's Ale. I'll, I'll check that Edison out next Ale time. House. Do you have a go-to, like, vendor for food inside the Prudential Center? Anything is your go-to? Honestly, as long as you got chicken tenders, there's a good chance I'll there find you it. Go. Chicken tenders. You can't go wrong. You can't go so. wrong. All right, Chris. Um, <laughs> trying to think about anything else that I want to know about your experience that I think you laid her out pretty well. Um, I'll check out the Devil's Den too, but usually I won't buy anything. Yeah, this price is bad. Yeah. They get you. Yep. Anyway, so, Chris, how many other arenas have you been to not Prudential Center? I have NHL-wise. been – and I tried to think about this. I've, I've been to one other arena – uh, and it's Amelie Arena in, in Tampa. Um, I went there for just a Tampa Bay Canucks game at one point, and then I also I actually went to uh, 
game two, I think it was, when the Devils played the Lightning in the playoffs, like two or oh, three I'm years ago, where we got absolutely stomped. Yeah, I didn't get the same experience you did at the Prudential Center. Uh, <laughs> I got booed. I got heckled because I wore Devils gear. Um, and we got we got stomped on, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> so gotcha. But uh, Tampa's like my, my team. I'll cheer for on the side, too. So I was happy they won the cup this year. But how's uh how's Amelia Arena compared to the Rock? <laughs> it's It's interesting. So... Amelie Arena has like Thunder Alley is what they call it, like right outside the arena, which if you've ever seen like video of like people walking around outside, that's that's what it is. It's just a massive like concourse area, basically. Um, They have the Tesla coils inside, which are really cool. Like I'm just any anytime I go to a game and Tampa scores, I'm just mesmerized by like the coils going off and seeing the electricity and like hearing it and stuff like that. Um, And then they had like the 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 scoreboard that the devils have where it's like really big and long that they changed it to Tampa's had that for like a while. Um, so I remember going and seeing that like a couple years ago, I was like, Oh my goodness, the devils need this. And then sure enough, a couple years later they did it. I'm like, Oh, cool. Um, the arena itself. It, I mean, it's pretty cool. It, there's a blue theme to it, even without like people being there. Like I think the stanchions are blue and stuff like that to kind of match the team. Um, it's it's just a fun place to catch a game and the i think like the parking's a little bit different like i think we parked on like a grass lot or something (laughs) that was like five blocks away from the arena or something like that so uh it's definitely a place i would catch a game at it's cool so there you go um yeah i've never been down south to any games down there um arena wise i've been to a decent bit more in the northeast region i've been to wells fargo many times living in philly um Solid arena. I mean, they hold the 76ers, too. It's a pretty solid arena. I like that arena. I I think it's very similar to the Devils arena, but I'm sorry. Wells Fargo does have the better food with the cheesesteaks and the chicken and peats. They have the better food, unfortunately. The Devils beat them with a video board, though. The Flyers got a new video board. It's pretty cool, but the Flyers, the Devils still got them beat there. Really like Wells Fargo. Good arena. Been to Pittsburgh when it was PP&G Paints Arena. I think they've renamed it since. Yeah. that arena, don't remember it. it was, I wasn't there that long ago. Uh, it was a Jackets Pittsburgh game. Sat upstairs in the corner. Nice seats. It was like the first row and the second level. Uh, that arena was okay. It was nothing special. I liked Wells Fargo and I liked The Rock much more. I believe Into, those two are newer than the the PPG one. Yeah, I think they called it, it like it the Console me, Energy Center before that or something like yes, that. Yes, yes. And it replaced the, the igloo or whatever out there. Uh huh. So it it gave me like older arena vibes too. I wasn't too big of a mm. fan of that arena. I've been to Nationwide Arena. Really like Nationwide Arena. That's Columbus Columbus Blue Jackets. Went to a Jackets Penguins game, which was funny because. I saw the Jackets play in Pittsburgh when I went to a Pittsburgh Penguins game. Really like Nationwide. Columbus is a great city, too. Um, don't like Nationwide Arena more than Wells Fargo or Prudential Center, but I do like it more than PP&G Paints. Where else did I go? I think that's it. I Are there any that you would want to try and hit up that you haven't yet, like catch a game there? Um, I've heard Chicago is absolutely terrific yeah, to Chicago, catch a game Yeah, Chicago, you got to. Um, I'm trying to think if I've been to any other. I thought I'd been to more. I guess not. Um, I've been to MSG, but it was for a next game. That was the last time I was at a sporting event, March 8th. But MSG is pretty cool. Wasn't there for a Rangers game, though. But, yeah, I've been to three arenas. So, good experiences all around. Um, But I I like The Rock, man. The Rock's a really good place. We're lucky, especially with that new board. Um, It's a good arena. I mean, the one, the, the only thing I don't like about The Rock is its location. I don't like that it's in Newark. <laughs> I wish that they had just built it in the Meadowlands because I'm like, this, it, we, we could have such good tailgating. Like, we, why did, why? <laughs> why can't we just stay in the Meadowlands? Especially now that they have a train that goes out there too. So that's my, literally my only gripe with the Prudential Center is just the location. I don't like that they put it in Newark. I wish they had just left it in the Meadowlands, built a new arena there. Yeah, I was too young to have gone to a Meadowlands hockey game. I would have been like five, I think. Yeah, I'm, I think I went to like maybe one game at Conrad's Other Lines Arena. Um, actually, yeah, I no. Think- no, I think I went to two. I, I know I went to uh, a playoff game against the Senators the year they won the Cup. 
uh, I went to one of those conference finals games, but I was like a kid. I was like maybe like 10 or 12 or something, I think. You're you're a couple years older than me, so you might have had some more time there to go through it. But anyway, yeah, that's our experiences at The Rock. If you want to express your experiences at The Rock, don't be afraid to drop it below when we release this podcast. We want to hear your experiences, how you like the Prudential Center. I'm a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Chris is a fan of it. I'm curious For what sure. you guys have to say. But yeah, there's I three arenas guys... too that I want to like check out. I mm-hmm. mean, Vegas Tell supposedly me has them. a really good one. Uh, I think they call it like T-Mobile. T-Mobile, T-Mobile um, Arena, baby. And I'm really fascinated with these two other arenas that are not built yet that are in the process in the Seattle Gila, where they're the building Gila it like in the ground. What is, it, what is it called? It's, it has a wild name. Yeah, it's like Amazon like put the name on it or something or like Clean Energy First Arena or something like that. It was something to do with like energy and stuff like that, but it's really cool. They're like they're building it into the ground. So when you walk into the arena, Pledge Arena, yeah, there it is. So when you walk in, like you're literally walking into the ground. Like it's not like um, the Prudential Center where you take the escalator up and then you go down. And and it's similar to like at Amelie Arena in Tampa. Like you go up and then you go down into the bowl. They're actually building it just straight into the ground. And then uh, that new Islanders Arena out in Belmont Park. The, the schematics and the artwork that they've shown so far, it just it looks like it's going to be so sweet. I'd, I'd want to get a game out there. Hopefully they don't dupe you. you. Remember how sweet the Texas Rangers new arena lo- or stadium looked and then they yeah. released it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll see how that one turns out. But yeah, it seems like a really, really cool thing they got going on out there. I th- thought they should have just went back to Nassau. Fans would actually attend games there. Yeah. But anyway... But yeah, that's all the uh, fun arena talk for you. I hope you guys enjoyed our talks about what our usual tasks are when we go to a Devils game at the Rock. Thought it was a fun little segment. Like I said, drop below the podcast release your experiences at the Rock. Let us know how you like the Rock. But besides that, I got nothing else for you all tonight. Chris, do you have anything? Uh, let's go Devils. As yes, always. Sir, as always. Um, all right. Be safe out there, everyone. We will talk to you guys sometime next week. Later. Later.